This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. From Flint to Philadelphia, from Hollywell to Hollywood. Rob Ryan Red is a brand new Wrexham AFC fans podcast by Nathan Salt and Richard Fay. Now, maybe you're well-versed in Wrexham history, or maybe you're new here, so here's a few things to jog your memory. Here is Vose. Great dribbling by Don Vose. And still, Vose, he gets past another. Oh, what a goal! Don Vose! One of the goals of the season. He has toyed with the defence there. And that is remarkable. The ball boys getting involved. Conor Jennings, the captain, Wrexham's top goal scorer. 13 for the season. 14! Wrexham lead! It's Wrexham 1! Chester now! It's McDonough for Wrexham! Still Jerry McDonough! It's Matt Carroll McDonough around the keeper! Wrexham! Wrexham! to the lead, ladies! If yesterday was a Black Friday, then today is a Red Saturday! Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham AFC podcast. I'm Rich Fay. I'm joined once again by Nathan Salt. Nathan, how are you doing? I'm good, Rich. First week of Parkinson, so it's uh, I don't know, it's flown by, hasn't it? It's flown by. We waited so long for a new manager. We got a new manager now. It, it's it's a lot to take in. A lot's happened, and a lot still to be done, player wise at least. Yeah, there's always that sort of muddy area between seasons, but it does very much feel like the start of a, a new era and a new season. For Rex and we've got a lot to get through in this week's podcast we'll be hearing from someone who played under Parkinson got promoted under the man himself so we'll get an insight into what Phil Parkinson is like as a manager what we can expect how he deals with a dressing room what we can expect in terms of style of play as well and, and the type of players he'll want to bring into the race course really interesting insight which we'll bring you later in the pod we've got a look at the fixtures for next season which have been released again another sort of confirmation of, of how soon we are to have a football back and hopefully there'll be a packed Kydras for that opening game against Yeovil Town. We'll look at those and of course Nath, we've got plenty more sort of news items to bring as well. The US game against Philadelphia Union, an update on that which has been postponed now, not cancelled, postponed, still hoping that's happened. We'll look into that towards the end of the pod. But Nath, as you said, one week since Phil Parkinson was announced as the new Wrexham manager, we're all hoping he can be the Messiah, the man to finally take his up out of this horrible, horrible league. How how have you felt it? I mean, we did the podcast as a sort of snap reaction, only recorded it two hours or so after the, the news was confirmed anyway. A week on, are you still happy with the appointment? 
Yeah, I am rich. Uh, I I got to sit in. I was one of the journalists that, that got to sit in on his first press conference, which was quite funny because he had all sorts of difficulties. He didn't know where to go when he arrived. There was traffic delays that kept us a few hours. And when he got there, he needed needed points in the direction of the the massive floodlights, which is quite ironic. Um, but no, it was really good. And and once uh, it kind of all the tech got smoothed out, it, it was really interesting to chat to. And I have to admit that you know, I saw some fans saying that some of the questions in that press conference were were quite poor. I, I'd agree with that. Um, clearly, I am a fan, and so a lot of my questions were, I hope, well-received by supporters and what supporters wanted to know. I asked him about the structure, you know, how it's going to work with Les Reed, what did he make of the current squads, what else did I ask him, his style of play, and did he feel it was a gamble? Four questions I, I ended up getting, and I, I thought they were pretty valid and pretty interesting. He gave some really interesting responses to those, you know, questions like uh, I, I've found out that there's there's going to be a documentary, and you know, have you had a conversation with uh, Rob? Uh, just, you know, just after he said he had a conversation with him was, yeah, uh, odd. But but from what I focus on the positives from from what he told me. You know, he said all the right things, as you'd imagine in these press conferences. It's all very, you know, kind of underarm softball questions. But it sounds like Les Reed is going to have a big role, you know, more, far more than an advisor. You know, he says that he's, in his conversations with Les Reed that Les has been working hard on the player side, player recruitment, who stays and who goes. And, and Parkinson said himself, he will get a say in in who comes and goes, naturally. He's not a head coach. He will be a manager. But... Les Reed will have essentially a director of football role. He didn't use those exact words, but that is essentially what he described. And as for style of play, he, you know, a lot was made, wasn't it? In, in our last pod, spoke, speaking to the Sunderland and Bolton fan, they sort of said it's not going to be pretty, probably five at the back, and it's going to be this and that. It'll be effective, but it won't be pretty, but it'll work. Sunderland, obviously, to a lesser extent, didn't, didn't really work there. But... He, he seemed to say the right things, you know, want to get fans out of their seats, want to play vibrant attacking football. So I guess it's one of those, as you mentioned, Yeovil, really we'll have to wait and see. Right now the, the squad looks very threadbare and I think it will look very, very different by the time we get to the start of the season, or at least I hope so. Maybe I'm being naive, but I hope so. You've got to hope so. Yeah, it's interesting, like you said there, Nate, in terms of the philosophy and the style he wants to play. Obviously, we've already mentioned it on countless pods. You can go back and listen to them about the the new contracts as well. The, the fact that Devontae Redmond's going to be there, Jarvis is going to be there. You've got these flamboyant sort of playmakers. You've got Jordan Davis with number seven on his back for the new season as well. There's got to be attacking intent. I know that we um talk about just getting out of this league any means necessary. And it is true that we've got that consequentialism in the fact that however we get out of the league will be the right way because we'll be out of the league. It doesn't matter really the style of football, but the fact that we have kept so many of those sort of flair players and those players who can play in the pocket behind the the back line and, you know, it's a luxury you don't often see work in, in non-league because of the nature of, of the beast, really. The bad surfaces, brutal defences you come up against. In terms of tactical sort of acumen, there's not much that, that you see that sort of blows you away So at, the, at this level. It's very rare that you see a team deploy something completely different. And when, when, the, when they do, it really does sort of take note. So it's going to be really interesting to see see how it works, really. And, you know, like you said, Nath, it when the manager comes in and he says all the right things, you have to lap it up because that's what you want to hear. But 
every single manager we've appointed has said the right things. You know, Gary Mills wowed us all, Kevin Wilkin wowed us all. Everyone who came in said the right things. I remember every player that Gary Mills seemed to sign said, I used to play here for other clubs. I remember Sean Newton saying, when I when I played for Chester, I came to the race course and thought, I want to be playing here instead. And, you know, like, inject that. That's what we want to hear as fans. But it is easy to talk to talk. Now it's time to walk the walk. I, I, got, I got the sense that he he could play both sides uh, you know he could he could be nice i also feel like he he had a kind of i don't know i don't know how i got this impression just kind of a a nasty streak in him you know a kind of phil parkinson and, and not to be messed with type thing and it was interesting that the documentary a lot of supporters pulled up the receipts so to speak of of his comments saying that he was glad that there were no cameras i think we mentioned this on a previous pod at uh, you know the netflix cameras and so it was put to him that you know he had this big long conversation with Rob McElhenney uh, and what what did he make of this was all going to be documented and it sounded like he he was he was you know it's part of his job I guess but also he was saying that there will be times when no the, the cameras won't be allowed and so I think really like you say the ends justify the means go up by any 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 style any formation any amount of unhappy players provided you get up it history will only remember you know the the result the end result of that you know this season just gone it's going to be hard for us to remember exact before remember games that you know boring would away or whatnot but really as time passes no one's going to remember certain games in that final keat season it would just be we we bottled it on the final day and and that was that so I think for Parkinson, what he needs to do is is go and get some good players. What he did say was that, or he seemed to suggest in his press conference that we w- we weren't we wouldn't be shopping in in what I would call the the bargain bucket, the bargain basement. Really, you know, it sounded like targets are are going to be of a good level and a good quality. Again, he's not going to say any different in his first press conference, but you know, one or two big names at our level, big names. I'm not saying. There's a, there's a Sergio Ramos or a Lionel Messi coming through the door, but you, you get a big name at our level. I saw someone talk up Paul Mullin. You get someone like that, and and suddenly supporters will, will be will be wowed and will be right behind you, right on board. So I, I yeah, think that's and that's the, the type of signing that you know we've seen some other teams at this level who've been successful do. Like we said, we're not expecting to bring in superstar names, and for many fans, the signings might be players you've not actually properly heard of you you probably maybe never even watched them play before but it's the fact that you're poaching players from league one players from league two you know you've got to have that mixture we've already got a really good core of national league experienced players in this squad and of course there's a new deal for tyler french as well and rob ogilby spoke two weeks ago to us about how he played a role in, in getting that deal done in the first place when he he, he signed on on, uh, on those sort of free agent terms so if you've not heard that interesting chat with Rob Ogilby please do go back and, and listen to it because it's really interesting about the role he played in, in getting Tyler French's move to Wrexham in the first place but like you said Nath it's making a statement and I know that the way that we pitched this before and I know that when Rob and Ryan took over they said that it wasn't necessarily about spending big it was about putting everything in place that just by the result of the professional surroundings we'd have a better result Collier's is back you know, we're getting a professional sort of outlet on and off the pitch now at Wrexham. We've got a really good ethos and a really good sort of 
reset of, of what was happening with the club because yes we were stabilized under the WST and stuff but we needed that fresh lick of paint all around the place there's that uplift both on and off the pitch and now that's got to be reflected in, in terms of the squad recruitment as well I'm not expecting lots of big names I'm not expecting many sort of marquee signings for this level but I think they'll just be intelligent buys and again I think it's just if you buy players who are just more experienced maybe if you basically form a league two squad then by a result of it, you're going to get promoted or be there or, or thereabouts just because of the quality there. I know there's not a massive difference between the two leagues, but I think, yeah, like you said, Nath, the, the signs are that we're going to be shopping higher than we have done previously. And I, I would expect movement on the transfers very soon. I, I expect players to be coming in on trial and probably even on trial now, just not being snapped by the, the club photographers to give us all. I know every time they post sort of training pictures or whatever, stop, look who's that, zoom in. Get the pixelated yeah. faces. Do I recognise him? <laughs> Who's that? Who's that? Do we know all these all these youngsters? And yeah, I think that there's lots of hard work going in behind the scenes and I wouldn't be surprised if the first signing of the Parkinson era is imminent. Hey, it looked like someone was sort of having a wee in the bushes at Collier's in one of the pictures. I mean, I couldn't fully tell because it was very, very pixelated, but that's what it looked like. Um, and, and they're always good fun. You know, they get kind of scrutinized like forensic evidence uh in a de- in a kind of detective's notebook basically remember when jimmy Troy um, came and that was yeah. like oh the whole the whole summer of the trialists and we had oh there's so many i were I, that was like my last proper sort of pre-season where i saw in and out of the media team and, and like it was so exciting particularly jimmy Troy because everyone knew who he was but we weren't allowed to call him by his name he just had yeah. to be the trialist throughout the summer i love that it's like trial it's like a hat trick for trialist a or Great pre-season for trialist B. And you always um, get that same joke on social media saying that Mr. and Mrs. Trialist must be so proud of their son tonight. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. it's... Uh, no, I love that. Um, it's, it's it's really interesting. I mean, it's, it's going to be really hard to know. I'm, I'm not personally too invested in in results in pre-season. Um, really, it'll only matter when the season gets going. And so I'll reserve judgment until then. But Parkinson, the main question has been, you know, I've listened to other kind of outlets fans chatting about it and the key for me when i after we'd kind of recorded and uploaded and, and that's done really well so, so thanks a lot for all the people that have downloaded and listened to that one and, and do go back if you haven't it's to as uh, us two and there's a, a bolton fan on there and a Sunderland fan and it gives you a good early impression of parkinson but i was really keen rich and, and i couldn't get it done in time last week was to speak to someone who's worked under him i'll you know by the title of this pod i was singing What's it like to to play under Phil Parkinson? Because we've had Adriano Mocon, didn't we? And he spoke so highly of Gary Mills. And so do go back to listen to that one. We we had Curtis Obeng on, and and he played under uh, Moza, and, and and again spoke very highly. And and we've had Ogilby on, and and all others. My AB, they've all spoken about the managers, and clearly managers. I th- I sometimes feel like, you know, for for us non-players, managers are a bit like teachers you know you get like when you're in school you can get memorable teachers or you don't know you get a university lecturer or a boss someone like that that has a massive influence on you clearly that's the same for players and certain players and managers gel and so I was really keen to hear from a player who had worked under Parkinson and I put out a load of calls to to different clubs and and I focused on the clubs that we hadn't really touched upon so I, I know we touched on Bolton and thanks to Dan you, you know well that, that gave us a really good insight there and spoke to Andy at, at Metro Radio gave us that Sunderland perspective but 
Colchester. We take it right back, Rich, and, and you were also on this call with me. We and we I think right as well before we make it to that Colchester is the most interesting one because he got them to the championship and mm. Colchester aren't a bigger club than Wrexham. I know no, that no. the other right. the other teams he's managed, you could make a case for Bolton, Sunderland, obviously because they've got recent Premier League experience. Bradford, sure. I think that's the sort of level we should be on. Colchester below us, you know, in mm. brutal honesty, obviously. Like we say, history does only tell a story. It's the here and now, but that's the ambition. If Colchester can get to the championship, why can't Wrexham? And again, like Rob said, why not Wrexham? So you know, you were you were on that call that I was just about to tee up with um, Kem Is it? And and he played under Parkinson and and got a lot of games in that Colchester team that that went up to the championship. And we were both able to chat to him this week. And I think before, you know, I could obviously keep keep going on and on, but. Probably best if if we let him uh, we let him talk about it himself, just because it, it's it's really really interesting. So, Rich, I, I think we should just roll the clip. Right, Rich, uh, another guest. Last time we had a couple of fans on, didn't we? We had Bolton and we had Sunderland, but this time I, I was saying to you, let's let's try and get a former player on. So I went back through Parkinson's career, and if you take it right back, Colchester when he takes Colchester mm. to the Championship, and one of those players in that team. Kem, is it? Kem, thanks for coming on. No problem. Parkinson, Phil Parkinson, he's obviously a, a massive appointment for Wrexham and, and someone that's got a great CV. What's he like to work with? What, what are the players at Wrexham going to get? What type of character are they going to get? Um, it's quite intense. Uh, very professional. Um, his attention to detail is spot on. Um it lets the dressing room almost manage itself as long as there's people in there that will manage the dressing room. Um, I don't know who the assistant is, so that will be really key for him. Steve, we... Park, Steve Parker is there as the assistant, who I know is, has worked with him a long time. But So is he someone that delegates quite a bit to the assistant in terms of how the dressing room is run or, or more no, the senior so players? With the dressing room, he... He had quite a laid back because of his intensity. He had someone that was quite laid back in there and it really worked really well. Like George Williams was our, our assistant at the time and intense and, and laid back really worked well. If you had two really intense guys, it would be a little bit over overpowering, but it worked really well with us. And like I said, the dressing room was made a good mixture of youth and older older players and it just worked really well and they managed we managed ourselves and his attention to detail was spot on he took Colchester from being a team that was just all about staying up and just doing enough to having belief in trying to get promoted. So um, he really turned it around. He was all about 1% and 2% and trying to maximise everything he possibly could. And he changed, he changed the philosophy over there totally. Did you have any kind of memories of, you know, Wrexham? Uh, uh, we, we kind of feel a bit cursed that, you know, we're stuck in non-league for, for well over a decade now and, is he quite? Has he got that hair dryer in him? Because we've had a few managers oh, yeah, that maybe players have. He's yeah. got that in him. Yeah, he's. Um, there was a couple of almost fights in the dressing room between 
players and, and managers. It never got to that, but there sure. was sort of face-to-face and people chest-to-chest in with, with him, and he, and he forgets about it pretty quickly. It's not like grudges are held at all, but, yeah, there's he's definitely got that nasty streak in him, but only when it's needed. It, it, as, as things are going okay, then it's not a problem. But when, when he feels as though people aren't, pulling their weight or doing doing what he's asking of them to do, then, yeah, he can turn the switch, yeah. In terms of his sort of philosophy as, as a manager, what did he emphasise that he wanted from his squad? We've heard a lot that maybe the football's ugly but effective. Would you say that's, that's something the Wrexham fans can expect, that it just win at all costs and that justifies the way you played? Yeah, I would say that. I would say that we had... We had Cura, Jamie Curran and Chris Ulumu up front. So we had big guy, little guy. Um, we had quite a, a hard working. He likes to get crosses into the box. He likes to get balls out wide and put balls into the box and people making the box. Um, he likes hard working people that have got a bit of desire about them who are willing to put in some hard work. Um, he likes midfielders to try and get forward and try and try and score goals, but at the same time expects them to put their body on the line and, and defend when needed to. So um, he, he's the best manager I've had, put it that way. He's the best man. I've, I've had quite a few and he's he's the best. When I say he's the best, I think his attention to detail was just was amazing and hence why we've done as well as what we did. And his recruitment was spot on, so... Yeah, he's, uh, he, yeah, I think he's he's been a little bit unlucky with the jobs that he's had after that. He's gone in and there's been some high expectation of him in these jobs that he's had and he's fell a little bit short, but I think he done well at Bradford and then after that he's he's felt a little bit short on other other occasions. But yeah, he's he's approachable as a guy as well. So like if if players feel as though they need to have a chat with him. He's approachable like that. And he's quite honest as a person that he won't feed you a load of nonsense as a player. So that's something that I really enjoyed about him as well. So he's a, he's a good manager. I was thinking on the training ground, again, we've had we've had every type of manager, a rookie, a, an experienced non-league manager. Is he quite hands-on? Does he like to delegate to his coaches? What's his kind of week-to-week approach? Does he like a lot of film session? How does he work in terms of pre-match build-up, really? I remember when I had him, it was his first job. It was his first job. Right, so yeah. probably learnt loads since then of what... Mm. He, but he was very, very hands-on when we had him. Yeah. Now, I don't know if he's learnt to delegate a little bit more, um, but that would be dependent on what his coaches are like and, uh, and what his assistant's like because, like I said, his attention to detail is, is spot-on. So he wants things done... A certain way now if his coaches are reliable and he knows he can trust them then I, I suppose he will delegate but as a day-to-day basis he's always there he's in and around the dressing room trying to trying to see what's the feel of the dressing room and he's always on the training pitch he was always doing sessions every day I guess another factor that he's got that obviously you maybe know too much about, but he's coming to a Wrexham team, which we don't have many of the squad from last season. We've got, got a, a decent core there, but he's lost the club captain. He's lost quite a lot of the leaders. Do you think it'll be a key sum of him to get those sort of allies on board and bring in people that he knows can can be 
sort of his mouthpieces in the dressing room. Yeah, is that something that you've you've had a lot? Do you, do you think he's I'll be surprised if he doesn't bring in a couple of experienced boys that he, he knows that he can trust. Um, he brought in he brought in Jamie Curran that he knew from Reading and he brought in Kevin Watson, who's a centre midfield player that he knew. Um, so he knew that he could rely on them. And then we had Wayne Brown there that was quite an old an, an older older pro that he could rely on. And he had a goalkeeper in Aidan Davison that was um, quite experienced as well. So the core of the team he knew that he could trust um, so I'd be I'd be amazed if he didn't bring in some experience and some people that he knows he can trust yeah I, I spoke to him in the presser the other day and I sent this clip to you Rich and I, and I said did he feel it was a gamble to drop down and, and he unequivocally said that you know he backs himself and he's got 100% belief in himself is he if, you know from your experience of knowing him is he quite self-assured and, and, and you know he knows he's got he knows his own quality basically in, yeah, in the right absolutely. kind of way he came in he came in and he like I said he, he changed he changed the mentality of the club straight away and that was always his belief is that we're not here just to make up the numbers in this league anymore we, we're trying to get promoted and within two or three seasons that's what he achieved so um yeah, he's confident in his ability, um, and rightly so because he's, he went on and done it. Um, so he's, yeah, he, he will, he will. I know that he'll be thinking that if he starts well, that he'll get Rex and promoted. That's mm. what he'll be thinking. And another one is young players. You, you said you had a mix in, in young players. We've kind of got the players left over are quite young. Our, you know, our best player, local lad Jordan Davis, is yeah, our bar shining light, but is very young. Is he, we've heard mixed reports about, you know, he'll go out and, and focus on experienced players, but is, is he good at nurturing young players from what you saw at Colchester? The, the young players in that season, did they really develop under him, do you think, or, or no? So he brought in Neil Downs, who he got from, I think he got from Black, Blackburn, I think he came from, and he, he was 18, again, a boy full of confidence, and he was... He, he came in and scored so many goals. And you say nurture, but I think that he's willing to go and look at players that aren't necessarily getting in in their first teams uh, and give them a chance with playing league football. Um, so I, I would say that's, that's nurturing. Whether or not we had, we had young lads that was, that was at the club that, they had to grow up pretty quickly because he, like I said, he was very intense. Um, and you have to be willing to toe the line with him. He's, he, he wants it done a certain way. Um, but yeah, he sees potential in players and he's willing to give them, give them an opportunity. And, and as long as they're willing to work hard and do what he's asking them to do, especially without the ball, because that's what he wants. He wants, he doesn't mind you having, he'll give you license to do what you want within a, Within a like a parameter, and then when you're without the ball, there's certain things that he definitely wants you to do, and they're non-negotiable. You're saying about his intensity. This is the last one from me. His intensity. What what do you kind of mean by that? Is that just natural personality, or or did he have a kind of a switch that you know? Did you ever sort of see him no, relax it, a bit, it, or natural personality? Yeah. Is intense is because he wants to achieve. He wants to. He wants to get promoted, and so he makes you believe that 
that that's what we're going to do. And we had we had monthly meetings and we set goals and targets of how many points we'd be getting from certain gains and they needed to be met. And if they weren't met, then we'd have meetings about that and how we can change it and what we can do different. And it, it leaves it open to you guys as well. It doesn't just, it's not my way or the highway. It's like he tries to in, include players and, and tries to give them targets that they they feel is realistic as well but um yeah like i said he, he was he was spot on for us uh mm. and there's a mixture of yeah as long as like i said your young boys as long as they're willing to work hard mm. um and graft and, and not be too flaky i think that's that's the problem if you've got flaky players i think you'll find that they they might struggle but if you've got people that are willing to graft hard and and put their body on the line then he'll run with them and you'll have huge success yeah rich i think uh, i think we're going to see quite a few in and out you know there's still a lot of players on the books that probably he wouldn't have signed and you know they're just there on on, on the end of their deals uh, ken won't keep you any longer that, that's been really uh, interesting because you know a lot of us I've seen his CV and we look at Colchester and we look at Bolton he took up and the mm-hmm. run at Bradford and that's what we're crying out for. But just yeah. him as a, him as a personality seems like for us a real coup. Do you not, do you not think? I mean, it just the, the thought, your thoughts on the, on the actual move for him, it's, it's a drop down, but for us, it's great for Wrexham fans. Yeah, but at the same time, you look at Wrexham within that league, they're a huge club, aren't they? Mm, yeah. Whilst it might be a drop down in level, it's still they're a huge, huge club, Wrexham, that have probably been underachieving for quite some time now. Yeah. And if he gets the ball rolling there, he'll only see the positive side of it. He won't see that oh it's it's a step down. He'll only see that if we get going, this will enhance his career and reputation and he can kickstart him again. And yeah. I'm sure that he knows that. Because Wrexham are a well-supported club as well, and if if they start if they start getting results early, then the crowds will start flooding in, and there'll be so much so much positivity around the club, and then it will just it'll all there'll be an upsoar in in everything around around the city. So it'll be an amazing thing. But he needs to start well. He needs to recruit well. Mm. And he needs to get everybody on board with how he wants to work and how he wants to do things. Yeah, Rich, uh, what do you make of that then? It was really, really interesting, I thought. Um, I really appreciate Ken giving up his time. It sounds like we've got ourselves an old school manager who, if push comes to shove in, the, in those wintry months, um, it, it could get a bit feisty in the dressing room. He's not going to take any passengers. And I know we've had other managers. I'm not sure Keats would have let too much slide. And, you know, Wilkins got a steely side as well as Mills has. But it sounds like Parkinson is, is going to ruffle... A few feathers. What do you think? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see, first of all, how he sort of adapts to the new surroundings because I know he said that dropping down to non-league didn't really phase him. He's buying into the project. But it's you know it's when you turn up to Weymouth away. It's when you turn up to Maidenhead away and you realise, okay, this is the bread and butter. These are the games you've got to just win. You know They, they have to be non-events. You've just got to get those results. It's going to be really interesting to see how he adapts. And I know he said... Uh, Parkinson in his, in his press as well that he was keeping really in touch with football during his time off. He was watching football at, at all levels to, to to stay involved and have sort of a roster of players that he was looking at as well. But you know, like like Ken said there on the chat, he, he does sound very old school. Um, 
I did initially sort of think he was had a bit of a Gary Mills about him, the way he spoke, and, you know, he is very no-nonsense. Obviously, Gary was schooled under Clough, so you understand why he had that sort of no-nonsense old-school approach. Parkinson, really interesting one. I think as well, you know, the fact that he's got the CV, which does speak for itself, that sort of experience, you know, his reputation, he's going to be listened to. Every single player will, will respect him and what he's done in the game because he's done it at the level that they're all aspiring to get to, some of them to get back to as well. It's going to be really, really interesting to see. And, yeah, as Kem said as well, you know, he was another one who sort of said that the style of play... Big man up top, someone a bit smaller and sprightlier playing off him is what, what to expect. It's so frustrating that Kwame's not fit because he could really have had sort of a massive role for us next season, I think. But by the sounds of it, and what Kem said as well there on, on the chat, it sounds like get two big centre-backs in, no nonsense, maybe no frills. That spine of the squad is going to be absolutely crucial. You look at every team he's been at, you know, you've got to have no-nonsense centre-backs. You've got to have someone, like we've said before, obviously it's not going to be Brad Walker, but someone in that mould who can add that extra steel and dynamism in a holding midfield role, and then you need a big man up top. And I think Phil Parkinson's tactics were crucified at Sunderland. I think they'll be what Wrexham fans have been crying out for for years. We've always said we need just to to bully other teams. We need to be the most hated team in the league again, and it's starting to feel like we are. And, you know, like you said, Nath, Bring on the new season. I think that, that playing ugly will be our best chance of getting up. And I think we've got a manager who, who knows how to do that and make it work. I think, you know, my takeaway from, from Ken's chat, he kept using the word intense. And and so that's good. You know, it's a long, it's a long season, but it also flies by very quickly. And games can, you know, games can rack up that you don't win. And so... It, it's that intensity every game. It's just that kind of turning up to someone, like you say, a maidenhead and just getting it done. You know, just, just being able to turn up and say, it's not going to be nice, states. It's, it's chucking it down. There's, you know, no cover. Like, we're going to get absolutely drenched on a crap pitch. Just go and get it done. It doesn't matter how. No one's going to remember this come end of the season when, you know, back at Dagenham and, and hopefully having our revenge mission there. If I'm someone like Dior Angus, though, Rich, I, I didn't actually get a chance to ask you or Ken while we were on the call, but if you're someone like Dior Angus, I think you'd be crying out for a big target man. Not that he was talking about Jamie Curran, and, and maybe not that his his game mirrors Dior Angus, so to speak, but Dior definitely looked a lot better, I felt, when he was alongside Kwame, a.k.a. a target man. And I remember years ago, I was crying out. When Lincoln were doing well, I was crying out for Wrexham to have Matt Reed. And people were saying, oh, no, he's he's too he's too big, he's too sluggish or whatever. But that kind of battering ram up top can allow people like Dior to get feed on the scraps. And also, while we're talking about strikers, um, RIP to the uh, the golden era, the, the Omateo era, because he has left for King's Lynn. It's interesting that the players that have left Ridge, actually, Gold's gone to King's Lynn. Carrington, delighted to see him get a new deal. He's gone, or a new deal, delighted to see him get a deal. He's gone to Kidderminster Harriers. And... Yeah, I've got the beautiful thing there is I'm doing one of Kidderminster's pre-season matches because they're playing, really? they're playing United's under-23s. And I was like, okay, the Agra Pie, looking forward to that. Lovely, now, lovely. Hopefully catch up with Cara at the game. It should actually be quite a, quite an exciting one. It's on Friday night. Uh, 
Lovely. So that's one type of pencil there. But yeah, it's like you said, it is interesting because obviously now that there's a manager in place, we can sort of say, oh, that's who's made the decision. I still think that maybe player departures at such an early stage will be down to Les Reed because, you know, I've, I've, Parkinson has had an idea. The players who have left have been on the periphery anyway, haven't they? And, you know, I think that, like you said, the, the squad's very slim at the moment. There's still two or three players who I think maybe shouldn't be at the club. Just just because of the ambition we've got, nothing against them, um, you know, in terms of ability, whatever, really. But I just feel like we've got to aim higher. And I do feel that Parkinson's been restricted a bit in some areas of the pitch. Like we said, he's got a clean slate in terms of defence. Goalkeeper, he's got his hands tied. I, like I said, I think Rob Langton is, is the best keeper in non-league anyway. Maybe if you wanted to bring in a number two that he knew already, or a backup choice would have been a bit nice to have, to have that flexibility. Midfield. You've got quite a few options there, so it's going to be interesting to see just how, how many sort of players Parkinson can bring in. And, of course, it comes down to the formation he wants to play. We've heard that sort of 5-3-2 variants, 3-5-2, are his cup of tea. So the, the wing-backs are, are really good. I mean, Hall Johnson staying on that is... He's going to, I think, be a contender for player of the season next season or already. Get um, in! <laughs> yeah. yeah but, but, it'll but, finally make sense for me in the end. But I, I just think, Rich, you know, kind of... It'll, I, I will finally get Resaw Johnson a player of the season award. I will campaign all season long for that to happen. I don't care anymore. I felt robbed last season. No, I was delighted for Luke Young, but I, I felt like Rhysaw Johnson had a very, very good season and, and was, you know, very unlucky. What I think, Rich, though, do, do you not... I don't know, maybe you don't agree with me, but I look at that side now and I think I I can't see too many leaders, you know. Not that we were brimming with them, but I, I felt like Pearson and Kelleher, I'd say Lainton is, is, is nice and vocal and has got lots of experience. But I, I don't think there are people... As much as I like Luke Young, I don't think he's a, a shouter, a ranter, a no, raver, and, and going to pull, you know. Yeah, what what I'd say on that, and I, I was privileged enough to be able to go to a couple of games last season behind closed doors, but I don't want to be too disparaging, but Pearson was way and above the, the loudest sort of shouter and most vocal leader on the pitch. And it's... It's the fact that, like like I said to Kem, he didn't really know about the situation so much, but it's the fact that we've lost our club captain. We lost Mark Carrington, our longest-serving player. We lost someone else like Mark, uh, sorry, like Paul Roford, who, okay, he wasn't very vocal, but he knew what it meant. And I know it's that cliche of the club DNA and, and what this club means, etc. But the, there's, there's players there who are staying who are on a lot of promise, but they're not necessarily the sort of experienced leaders, like you said. So what's going to be crucial is I... I mean, I could see why someone like Luke Young would be made the new club captain uh, this summer, but what I think is, I think that Parkinson's got to bring in someone that he knows he can trust to be that sort of captain, that leader on the pitch, because like you said, I really do think we, we lack them. I think centre-back and centre-forward are the two positions which will define our success of next season. They've got to be strengthened to a football league standard. It's going to be really, really interesting to see what type of player we can attract there. There should be no team you know, in this division, who gets players that, that we wanted. We've got everything going our way. We need to get that sales pitch right. But, of course, they need to not only buy into the vision of the club, but they've got to buy into this project. And it depends what Parkinson's going to say to them. You know, he's got a, a big job now in terms of recruitment because, yes, we know the vision's there. You've got to sell it to these players. I, I think he'll I think he'll bring his own captain in. I've just got that sneaking suspicion. Nothing against any of the players currently at the club. You know, if if, if Lainton took the armband, I, I'd be thrilled with that. I, I I don't mind a keeper a keeper being being the captain. But I just have this feeling ever since the press conference that 
you know, either he or Les Reed will bring in a captain from another club. I, I just feel like that will be the statement of intent move, bringing in another team's captain. Maybe that won't won't be the case, but that, that's just what my personal opinion is. I guess to try and refocus it, Rich, and, and, and take the conversation on a bit, not long to go now. You know, the fixtures have come out. We're looking towards August 21st. We thought there would be a, a Philadelphia Union match, and we'd had it all planned out with some of the guys over in Philadelphia that, that we were going to have a chat and, and really break down the game, but that's no longer the case. COVID-19, coronavirus, it means no. That's uh, very, That sounded a bit... Computer says no. Um, but uh, no, it's it's not going to happen, that game now. And, and it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because we wouldn't have been able to go anyway just because of, of the way travel restrictions are with the United States at the moment. So, like you say at the beginning, it's postponed. It's not cancelled. That game will happen at some stage. Uh, hopefully we can go. We can have some sort of Pennsylvania tour or... Um, you know, we we can get there, but Yeovil, these are set in stone. Those that first month, Yeovil at home, Eastley away, Notts County at home. Kairos should be, or you know, fingers crossed, should be bouncing. Uh, I know you got to go as you say, but a lot of us didn't, and a lot of us have our new shirts and are desperate to get back, desperate to get back inside. And fingers crossed, all goes smooth. Uh, and who knows when the owners will get over as well, Rich. Surely they'll be looking at the Oval game, but given the given the cancellation of the Philadelphia game, I'm, I'm not sure how it'll work for them now. No, exactly, and they'll have to have that sort of permission, won't they? I, I believe still in terms of sort of being granted entry and stuff and the restrictions, and it depends how long they'd have to quarantine for, how long they'd have to stay. So I think it's a very fluid and flexible situation. Obviously, I think particularly Rob is maybe more in a position where he can sort of come... At, drop of a hat as, as such you know I mean he he spoke about that in terms of the, the Philadelphia Union game which has been cancelled anyway you know he said that he was going to be there Ryan was hoping to be there but he's also shooting uh, so it, it would have been interesting to see if they would have both been able to get to it I think they would have done everything in their power to do so but yeah looking ahead to the season now the excitement really does build and you start playing those games the ones that you can get to I can't wait at all I've already booked that week off in August for holiday anyway so that'll end my week off with Yeovil at home I can't wait Notts County will be great as well on the bank holiday Stockport away looks like an absolute that looks so good to me I've got a concert at, at night that day but I think I should be able to squeeze both of them in that could be oh, the, what that, are you that, going to see are you going to see Rich? I'm going to see the Cortinas Johnny Marr and Blossoms <laughs> at Old Trafford Cricket Ground I think that what starts a, about what five a, what, or six what, what a Mancunian weekend that is the Cortinas and then Stockport away yeah exactly so I'm just hoping that it can be like the perfect Saturday it could be the worst Saturday of my life but that's <laughs> the beauty of sport isn't it you put on the line the risk that it could be the best and well, uh, I, I'm I looking can't. at South. I'm looking at South End away. I don't know if you've ever been to Roots Hall. There are some cracking chippies around there. I, I went a few times last season for work. Sol Campbell there, obviously, and and work said go, you know, go speak to Sol Campbell, do a bit on on him and how South End are on this massive decline. And we'll have to get somebody from South End on a journalist I know who covers them for the South End Echo to try and get him on if we can. But that's a great little away day, and I think still in summer, really, you know, fourth of September on a Saturday. Hopefully, we get a lot that go down there. And then you look further down, you think I I put out on our Twitter at Rob Brian Red, and I note on the Twitter as well we've now passed a thousand followers, which seems to have flown really quickly. Rich, so yeah, thanks for that. We're really putting in the effort to try and 
make some graphics and, and i know the kit stuff where you went down a treat so thanks for for all the support on that and and the tiktoks have got ridiculous numbers rich our phone was well my phone at least was exploding with notifications i don't know what happened there i'm not it's i'm not used to that kind that, of yeah. you, i'm not i'm not yeah you love it you love the tiktok i still do I not know what the, the platform really is for <laughs> i don't get why i want to dance to like a song i've never heard of or mouth hey, lyrics like i don't hey, get that but it's, I'm all it's for working it. it's working it's all it's it's working for McElhenney. um but yeah no i i put out on the twitter about grimsby on a tuesday night i think both games are on a tuesday night Grimsby are away first mid-September. That's I mean we actually that's we my did Grimsby. Week, though. Yeah, that, that's we did I'm... we did that game, Rich. We did that game together. We yeah, went we did and that. we lost we lost one nil. I lost think Craig Craig, Craig Disley scored. Yeah. yeah, we got to the Haunting. game. If you want to know how, this isn't a reflection of it anymore. But we got to the ground, and then you and me went for like a pre-match McDonald's or something. McDonald's, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Classy away day, and then I got a text saying can you put some stuff on like the club twitter account because we've not been able to send anyone to the match and it was just Geraint who'd, who'd been able to travel and of course he's bogged down to do match reports and stuff and he's got so much to do. I mean, big shout out to g he's the life and soul of Wrexham football what club. a man he is like build a statue of him like genuinely him and joey jones we need to we need to recognize those two as for whatever they've done for the club like absolutely incredible but yeah, we so we were in the away end at Grimsby, and then I had to start sort of tweeting match updates as well as as and when I could. And then yeah, it was a hell of a long journey back. It was really really grim all the way back to Mould, and then yeah, and then I think it was either the weekend, it was either that same weekend or like the weekend after I did Forest Green Rovers away as well. Oh, it was like a proper double header in the space of a week, I think, and it was it was horrible. But you know, yeah, bring it on. I can't wait to have a horrible away day. Yeah, I'm oh I'm des I'm desperate. I'm desperate for something, you know, Eastley, I, I said to my dad, I'm not going to Eastley again. You know, that's the, that's the first, I can't go there again. I, I had Graham Stack flicking the Vs towards the Wrexham fans last time. Just not having that again, Rich. I know there's no there's no more Graham Stack there now, but it's just, it's also horrendous to get to if you're not well, if you're not driving. I was about to sort of make that point again in terms of, if you actually look at the National League again for, for next season, of course, you know, the fact that we we've lost a few teams like Barrow over over the last years, Hartlepool, another Northern team, that is such a Southern League again. And those away days, I know there's that extra impetus to do them now, and we can go into them thinking this could be the last time we ever have to go there again. But if you just look at the actual sort of the, the table, I'm looking at it now. Halifax is the most Northern away day there is, and then it's Grimsby, then Stockport, then Altrincham, then Chesterfield. Okay, there's 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 that nice sort of bunch where you know you've got three or four there that, that are get gettable you can get to quite easily. Solihull's a bit grim, but then you know away from then you've got Kings Lane, which is just in the middle of nowhere, and Grimsby, which is still really bloody hard to get to. Dover, Southend, Boreham Wood, Maidenhead, Woking, Aldershot, Barnet, Bromley, Dagenham, Wellington, Eastley, Weymouth, Yeovil, and Torquay. In terms of the away days, I could actually do about going insane. There's about five of them, if that. Uh... I, ju- I just think Dover, Weymouth, Torquay, and Eastleigh all in the same division, and we, you know, how far away we are. And look, they've got to come to us as much as we've got to go to them. But you just think horrendous, and they're all in the middle. Of, they're all in the middle of nowhere. The Crabbles on a hill. Uh, I've been there. Plainmore, I haven't been to. In fairness, Torquay, Weymouth, no. Eastleigh is kind of basically just sat on a big roundabout that's impossible to get to but seems easy enough but rich hopefully this is it this is the parkinson era you know this is the season as we like to say wrexham fans 
hopefully this is it. No, am I am I getting too optimistic or what's am I? I feel like I'm being I'm I'm that kind of naturally optimistic now. You know, we have a new manager, new players will only heighten I, my I have optimism. This every single year, I had this optimism. Oh. When bloody Callum Powell signed. I thought this is it. <laughs> Big man backs <laughs> in the middle. Powell whipping the crosses in. Bring it on, but yeah. Hey, look, Bakari found a home. At, um, speaking to someone at the Nomads recently, they're big on Michael Bakari. But no, that was oh, I get, I'm getting shudders at that team. Rich shudders at the Adam Bartons and uh, Anthony Barry. You know, no, no disrespect to Ant Barry, but I mean, he didn't really come in with any kind of play. Eyes on the cloud. Level. Yeah, eyes on the cloud. Oh my god, it does give you. Is that Jeremy McDonough? That was post Jeremy McDonough, wasn't it? No, that was Jeremy McDonough's season, yeah. No, that was the Jeremy McDonough's season. I also hated that kit. I mean, the the one good thing from that season was after one of the games early on, Hamza Ben Sharif's shirt got ripped off him when he was playing (laughs) and he gave it to me. Ben Sharif. Ben Sharif. Still got it? No, I, I ended up. Uh, uh, passing it on to someone else because I was like, uh, fair play. It's, it was yeah, much worn hands of Ben Sharif shirt. He's like a XL. I'm like an S or an F. This is true. This is true. He, and then this like the other the other issue as well was it was ripped. It was unwearable. And I was like, this right. is cool. But what what am I gonna do with it? Sir? What purpose does it serve? Well, there you go, Rich. Well, another week and and uh, just again thanks to Kem. Um, he was really really interesting and. And uh, it sounded like his, his partner was was kind of doing the the washing up behind. But no, uh, joking aside, it was um, really interesting to hear from him and, and hear from someone who has been in that dressing room, has been quote unquote to war with Phil Parkinson in a season that ended in success ultimately. Um, so yeah, Rich, that was really key. We've heard from we've heard from fans. We've heard from someone who played under Parkinson. We've heard from the man himself in his press conference. It's been a positive week, you know, everything's very positive. Philadelphia game aside, everything's looking quite rosy at the minute for Wrexham, which is a dangerous place to find ourselves in because then we start to get uh, carried away. But that's fine, that's okay, no? That, that, I think that's okay right now. It's it's pre-season, the sun's shining just about, you've got to be positive. I know, like I say, every pre-season I go into it with this false optimism, but I love it. That's that's what I live for, it's that fresh start, the, the thought that anything is possible. And now with new ownership and, and with a new manager and a new squad as well on the horizon, it does feel like it's a new dawn at Wrexham, but you know, it won't be easy. Even if you've got Hollywood backing, even if you've got a, a football league manager, this is Wrexham. Get ready for another roller coaster season. We'll be there to cover every step of the way on Rob Ryan Red. So once again, thank you very much to Nath for joining us this week on on Rob Ryan Red. As always, please do follow us on social media at Rob Ryan Red. The Gmail is Rob and what is it? It's there you get Rob Ryan Red at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with our email. Yeah, we'll read those out next week. If you've got any thoughts and Please let us know your thoughts on Phil Parkinson's appointment and what you expect from the tenure as well. Like we said, we will be back again next week. Hopefully some new signings to talk about and to review. Thank you very much. Enjoy your weeks. We'll see you again next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.